Hello and welcome back to the Cauliflower Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Luke Spencer, and today I'm just going to be giving some of my thoughts around how to work out your BJJ game and how to develop it, as well as trying to remain in the game of jiu-jitsu as long as possible and avoiding injuries and whether there should be kind of additional things that you should be doing to supplement your jiu-jitsu journey, in particular as you get a little bit older. Hope you enjoy. Thank you for joining me once again. It's uh, great to have your company. I hope that you are sitting comfortably. I hope that you've got a nice tea or coffee there in order to listen to my my ramblings around today's topics. Uh, it's nice for me to uh, get another one uh, recorded. The uh, wife is away today, so I've been sitting around at home, just been sort of tidying, watching movies and that sort of thing. And I thought, you know what, I might as well do something a little bit productive with my time and uh, get another cast recorded and get some of my thoughts down. Thank you to the ladies and gentlemen who contributed uh, to this kind of latest poll that I put out in order to list, uh, look out for some topics. I put that out through my Instagram account, Jitsboy, and quite a few people got back to me. So thank you for taking the time to do that. I'm going to give my thoughts on uh, just a couple of the suggestions that were given today. Uh, coming from uh, Darren and Jordan specifically. So if you're listening in, gents, then uh, let's say thank you in, in particular to you guys for giving us these topics to get me started. It's just going to be myself today, so you're just going to be listening to my ramblings on. We might have the uh, odd <laughs> interruption from Bella, my my dog, because um, it's just uh, the two of us in the house at the moment. And normally when she hears me, doing uh, any sort of recording or long chat she tends to want to come into the spare room just to see what's going on so you might hear hear her clomping around as well otherwise the only other sound you'll probably hear is me taking a nice big swig of my Tim Hortons coffee Uh, I'm not actually sponsored by Tim Hortons coffee I really wish I was but it is my favorite coffee just because it reminds me so much of that fantastic place that I love so much Canada so I hope you've got a similar beverage with you or at least you've got some some time in order to, to sit down and listen and uh, yeah I hope you find this this topic or uh, these topics interesting. So thinking about how to work out your BJJ game to start with uh, this is often really difficult for grapplers I mean it's not just specific for BJJ I guess it's something that's going to be important for any martial artist really and um, you know whether they're doing taekwondo or karate or anything like that i think it's also common for other grappling forms as well in terms of you know say wrestling and judo you you really have to be able to kind of pick and work out what's going to be best for you in in terms of your your development and how you can best deliver the 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 arts and and um kind of just yeah just just make it as, as useful as possible for you really i try to approach this in several ways when i have people in classes and when i'm doing privates and as kind of strange as this is going to sound, one of the key ways really is to experiment. Um, you know, behave. Uh, <laughs> experiment is important. Um, that, that, that'll be the title of this episode, I think. Experimenting is important. I'm going to write that down. Bear with me. You might hear a bit of scribbling. Experimenting is important. There we go. I can't spell important. I've actually written impotent, but there we are. Anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that having a, a kind of a you know a, a chance to explore different aspects of BJJ is really important. So whether you're learning from someone or whether you're learning from YouTube or any other kind of avenue, I think it's important that you don't try and you know just stick to one one particular thing. As coaches, I guess there can sometimes be a a bit of an inclination as to you know really just sticking with what works for you. And uh, almost insisting that people, you know, work with your type of game just because you know that that works. But, you know, that might not be the case for your your student or your athlete in front of you. They might have a, a totally different outlook. They might have a totally different body shape. They might have a totally different body mechanic. So, you know, what, this, what works for you may not necessarily work for them. And I think it's important that, you know, there is that openness to, to try, all, uh, try all sorts of things um, in order to you know really find out what works best. That might, let's say, come about through classes in the sense of, you know, you just allowing when sparring and you know, drilling and things like that, just allowing yourself to experience both aspects of the game. You know, don't feel that you've got to 
continuously be on top in order to you know be winning or developing allow yourself to be sweat allowing yourself to be you know put on your back and sometimes really help develop your not just your defensive game but also your your attacking game as well your you know kind of whole premise of brazilian jiu-jitsu is that you're you're comfortable in all those kind of ground scenarios and often you know in terms of guard retention and things like that being able to use your legs is so important to having high level jiu-jitsu skills that you know to to insist on being on the top will only really in, inhibit you and, and really kind of slow up your progress. I remember that, you know being told that numerous times on my journey to you know kind of open up and not be so ins- you know, insistent on kind of winning and having every single round as a as a victory for you in the sense of you know you being on top and, and squishing the guy. It's interesting to uh, to actually think about that. I've um, Kind of be casted back to something that Nathan was talking about, Nathan Leverton, on uh, a podcast that he runs along with uh, Mick Tully and Kurt Cornwell uh, over on World of Martial Arts, whereby they were talking about you know how to kind of conduct you know sessions and things, and uh, Nathan talks a lot about how he runs classes in terms of using games in order to make um, you know interactions inspiring seem a little bit more playful and less like an actual fight whereby there's a winner and a loser um it's more of a game that you're you know you're just trying to get the the better of a given situation and uh they were also uh, talking recently on the same podcast about uh ego and how that can uh, sometimes be useful and sometimes be inhibiting in terms of a, a person's development and i think that's part of kind of your development of a bjj game as well is really being able to control your ego and not necessarily having to be in your kind of dominant place all the time and not being able to you know just insist on being on a a top position or a mount position or anything like that just because you know that that makes your ego feel good um nathan and the guys do a a much better job of dissecting ego and um i'm not going to try and touch on that too much to today um if you really want to have an interesting listen about that then do go over and check out their podcast because uh they do a fantastic fantastic job of uh kind of dissecting that and you know talking about the ego and how it affects things a little bit more so that's one key thing i think with bjj is having that openness i think the other is being aware of your your kind of body and what sort of your uh physicality is like you know uh, uh people listening into this may well know but i'm i'm quite short i'm um quite chunky in other words i'm quite fat uh <laughs> i never used to be actually i used to be mildly athletic mildly yeah loosely moderately athletic somewhat athletic maybe well anyway not as fat as i am now uh, <laughs> but um i've always uh had quite um I say muscular, I don't mean that in a big head terms, but my, my thighs and my butt has always been quite big. So doing things that require a lot of kind of leg dexterity has often uh, been difficult for me, even in my fitter and stronger days, just because the um, kind of <laughs> mass distribution has uh, not exactly been even across my body. So I've not had the kind of lower leg dexterity that I perhaps would have needed in order to really develop rubber guards and things. And not even just the kind of flexibility sense, but also just, you know, the active... uh, (laughs) Sound horrible as well, but stuff getting in the way. Um, So, you know, having an awareness of things like that that may hold you back from a particular skill set development is really important. And kind of being honest with yourself about that you know, some people are a lot taller, some people are a lot shorter, right? I'm, I'm quite a short grappler, again, as, as people listening in may well know. So for me to have a, you know, a, a kind of massive uh, kind of impact in, in the bottom um, arena for jiu-jitsu, I would, I think, be uh, limiting myself if that's what I was trying to do, because I don't have a um, great deal of legs dexterity, as I said, but I also don't have a great deal of leg length in order to, you know, contain someone within a guard or to, you know, have a, a long um, guard position, uh, you know, using my legs as a means of keeping someone away. I don't have a, a huge barrier that that would provide, even if uh, someone is at the end of my of my leg length, they're only, you know, a foot or two away from <laughs> from my actual hip. So the the actual guard retention is a little bit more difficult for me as well. 
And so as a BJJ player myself, I much prefer to be on a top position. Um, that said, you know, it's important that I have an understanding of the bottom game in order to you know, assist other people. But for me, myself personally, I think that top game is, is far better. Um, so, yeah, in terms of you know, finding your BJJ game, I think those, those two things are, are really important. I think it's, it's also important as well that you have a kind of an awareness of um, the, the fact that your game will likely change. So, you know, you may well have two or three months, it may well be six months, it may well be a year, two years, three years, however long, where the kind of path of jiu-jitsu for you at that point is very much, for example, top position or very much, for example, half guard, or very much, for example, you know, back control, or whatever, whatever the case may be. And that's the thing that you find yourself going to, and that's the thing that you think is going to be your kind of game. And then all of a sudden you see a tutorial, or you start to appreciate the technique a little bit differently, or you just end up in sparring, being in other places a lot more commonly, a lot more frequently. These things are part and parcel of a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu journey, I think. And if that happens, it's kind of important to just go with it and, you know, let that ride out rather than kind of thinking, oh, well, you know, this isn't my game. I'm not going to use that. I'm not going to have, um, you know, continued success with it. It's quite important that you kind of allow that to happen because that may well be the next uh, step in your learning, if you like. There's a lot said around, you know, kind of how people learn and things like that. And with martial arts in particular, I think it's important that people understand that there's going to be a lot of peaks and a lot of troughs with how you progress. Um, and kind of with learning anything, whether it's a language or technical skill or whatever it is, you'll go through periods whereby you, you improve. And if you think about looking at that on a graph, you will see that that kind of competence, you know, that, that height of the graph will go up. But then after a, a period of time, that will level out and flatten um, it has to be that way because otherwise if you just continually had that growth then uh, learning would be well first of all incredibly easy and uh, it wouldn't kind of have the same um, effect overall it wouldn't it kind of stay with you as long you you can only take in so much information in any given period of time and so you know to have that continual change in terms of what you're actually learning will um probably mean that after a while you you <laughs> you run out you run out of space in the older in the old gigabytes in the brain so it's important that there are those peaks and troughs and you know to kind of appreciate that those troughs will happen and accept them and keep going while you are in one of those troughs is really important because you will get to a point where you you jump again and you you know develop that little bit more even if as we say that development is something completely different something that you weren't uh, focused on before or something that you didn't think would be your game before so having that you know kind of awareness that your game could well change and be different from six months ago or a year ago or whatever the case may be in terms of kind of you know developing your game again I think it very much a, you know, kind of applies in terms of you just being open and being able to you know, appreciate different things uh, within jiu-jitsu and kind of you know just allowing yourself to not go too far down one road. Um, I think I've said before with a previous episode on this cast that I personally feel that I am a little bit more of a, a jack-of-all kind of trade rather than a master of any particular one. And that, for me, has always kind of been a, a good way of doing things. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think that I have a particular submission or a particular position that is mine and that I know is really really going to be my thing um, but I know that like I said you know enough about each of the kind of top and bottom positions to flow between different things and I think that's a key thing to, to, to have. If you kind of you know think back to six months ago a year ago for those of you that are grapplers out there and listening in you probably will be able to think of a time when you had a particular move that you kept landing or a particular position that you ended up in. So it's something that you will kind of do instinctively and you know you don't necessarily need to have a, a set awareness of that but at least if you can appreciate that that will happen then if you do find yourself conscious of it then you're not going to you know kind of think oh well I have to change things up or I should be going back to stuff I was already doing that sort of thing. 
So yeah, those are the kind of key things really. Um, in terms of development as a coach, in terms of the people that I, you know, I, I train uh, in terms of classes and privates and things like that, I think it's, again, it's important that the kind of person that you're training with will use different influences and try to, you know, give you as much of these um, scenarios as possible and give you as much information as they can, but also that they do tailor at least some of the rolling that you're doing to your particular wants and needs. For example, with uh, a couple of the classes that, um, that I've been doing recently, although we've we've only recently started at uh, the centres that we have for LSBJJ, Sean and I, there have been a couple of occasions whereby you can already see the guys developing a particular type of game. And so what we've tried to do is we've tried to deliberately put you know certain people together who we think will complement each other in terms of how they you know how they how they're going to spar. So one chap who you know, been training with us a little while has started to develop a little bit of a affinity for a half guard just because he seems to be able to get to that position a lot. Doesn't fully understand it. He'll be the first to uh, first to admit probably, but he, he he ends up there a lot. It's just kind of instinctive. So we often put him with one of the guys who play top quite a bit. And uh, just, again, just to allow them to work together because we know that as a, a kind of a natural occurrence of them being together, they're going to go to that position. If we ended up putting the chap who likes to do half guard in with someone who always pulls guard and always wants to play guard, then he probably wouldn't have that chance to develop as much. So it's important that your coach and that your scenario that you're in is kind of flexible enough to allow you to work with those things as and when you you know, kind of think they're up for your your attention or your development. Forgive me, I'm just going to have a little sip of coffee because I'm aware that I've been talking for a little bit now. Oh, there we go. That's absolute nectar, that is. If you, on a side note, if you, um, if you haven't experienced Tim Horton's coffee, then uh, please do so. Um, they have a French vanilla which uh, you can order this off Amazon, by the way. You don't have to. Um, am I allowed to say that on a podcast? I don't know. Anyway, you could go to the store, which is in Harlow. There's one that's going to be opening up in Lakeside soon, I believe, as well. When that opens, because that's not far from home for me, I'm going to be there every day, I think. Um, but otherwise, you can order their you know, kind of bits and pieces, their coffees and um, creamers and things off of Amazon. And their French vanilla is really, really nice. That's what I'm sitting, sipping now. Anyway, one more and then we'll move on. There we are. Apologies if you heard that sipping, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, that's kind of my thoughts around developing a game, um, having that fluidity, having that openness, and just accepting that it will be the case. And it kind of your game does um, kind of linking into the longevity aspect around BJJ. Your game does change as you, you know, as you go through jujitsu. Um, you know, you go through life. You get that little bit older. I know a few years ago I was quite keen on half guard myself. That was somewhere that I ended up a lot and I felt comfortable to kind of be and work from. And to be honest, it still is. It's not somewhere that I've, you know, kind of then forgotten about and never never go there ever again or never feel like I can work there again. Um, but, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just not as, as focused now um, because I think you know, I'm a little bit older. I don't want to necessarily bear someone's pressure um, you know, bearing down on me. Uh, so as much as possible, I like to be the one dominating and giving the pressure. Now, um, I hope no one tuned in just at that point, and you know, the first thing you hear is that I like to be dominating and applying pressure. Um, that could be a little bit weird for you if that's if that's your start point. But if it is, welcome. You're here now, so you might as well uh, carry on with it. So yeah, in terms of longevity in BJJ, I think that. A big thing is to you know really be kind of sensible about things. It's it's great doing martial arts at, at any time of life. It really is. You know, the benefits are universal. But there's a lot of difference between doing martial arts in your twenties, then in your thirties, then in your forties and fifties and sixties. That you know it's it's uh, it really is quite a different game. I know when I first started, way, way back in my university days, I was a lot more physical. I wanted to be a lot more um, demanding upon myself in terms of not just the training that I was doing in martial arts, but also in the kind of conditioning aspects as well and gym work and that sort of thing. I was, um, you know, constantly trying to be 
stronger and faster and better and thinking, yeah, you know, this is going to make me a, a better competitor, a better fighter and all of those things. Whereas now, getting that little bit older, it, of course, it's still important to do your conditioning work. It's still important to look after your overall health and your strength and all of these things that, you know, we, we know benefit because of, you know, not just uh, you know, conditioning um, aspect in terms of aesthetics and all of those things, but also your bone density, you know, your mental health is uh, going to be affected as well in the positive for, you know, being being more active as you're getting older. But also to kind of be mindful that, you know, you really want to be, uh, you know, working on things for your motor coordination as well, and just keep it, just keeping everything you know as, as as sharp as it could be. But I think as you get older, you need to be aware that there's got to be a certain amount of mobility and um, kind of suppleness that you're trying to implement into your into your training plan. I know sometimes people will say that you know Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it's on its own, is enough in order to do all of those things. And I can see, uh, you know, a benefit to doing just that in terms of the kind of involuntary yoga that you end up being in sometimes with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But as with anything, if you can supplement that with a specific yoga program or a specific flexibility program or specific joint mobility sessions, then things are only going to be more improved and your results are only going to be far, far better. Of course, I say that. And uh, I have to admit that I myself don't do any flexibility work. Um, I'd, actually, I did the other day in the gym. I stretched for about 10 minutes. Uh, so that counts, right? <laughs> that, that does me for another six months, surely. Um, I, I'm, I'm joking, by the way. I know that's nowhere near enough. <laughs> I really do need to kind of put this uh, flexibility training in for myself and kind of hoping that in doing this podcast it's my little boot up the backside perhaps in order to uh, to get that going and get that happening for me but yeah any any sort of flexibility training is going to be good and not just your kind of flexibility in terms of being able to you know put your hands flat on the floor and stuff from a standing position and having the most super supple hamstrings in the world and being able to put your ankles behind your ears and things like that did it did I say that right? Ankles, yeah, ankles, but not ears behind the ankles. Well, I suppose you could do either or, really, couldn't you? But in any case, you know, getting that that hyperextended position, um, you know, all of that is, is still going to be beneficial. But also just the the focus around things like your knees and your ankles, um, those kind of smaller joints that, as you do get a little bit older, they tend to creak and crack a little bit more. I know that you know several training partners of mine and friends of mine have issues with their knees. I've been quite lucky in the sense that I haven't had a huge amount of issues with knees and things. I have with fingers and back and kind of shoulder and other things, but you know, my, my knees have held out pretty okay. So, you know, having that sort of focus on the flexibility around those smaller joint areas can sometimes be a good thing too, because let's say you really don't want your kind of knees giving up on you. You don't want your ankles giving up on you. And you, you know, as BJJ players, we do a lot of gripping, a lot of grabbing. Your fingers tend to bear a lot of the brunt with that. And so getting a, you know, a good kind of awareness of how your hands are in terms of, you know, the kind of mobility of them and things, making sure that you're kind of doing things like, it sounds really silly to do, but I have found a lot of benefit with this myself, is just kind of uh, hand movement exercises that you, you know, might have from kind of hand therapy and things like this. But, you know, just general things like um, increasing your grip strength, having your tendons um, kind of nice and strong, and also just hyperextending your hands, making sure that you're able to, you know, fully open out your, your, your palms and things. Make sure that you're you know, aware of your finger positions when you're taking grips, when you're actually training and when you're doing your sort of gym work and things like that not overly forcing your joints into odd positions and not exaggerating twists and turns when you really know that you know you should be just kind of maintaining a straighter hand position or something like that so having that kind of awareness on things will be um, you know a lot a lot more beneficial for you there are lots of you know, program providers out there that do lots of great things and one that struck, uh, springs to mind of course is yoga for bjj which uh, i believe is a chap called sebastian uh, i want to say sebastian brosh 
Um, I've never met him, but I've, I've seen some, some things up on Facebooks and things like that, lots of different forums. So um, I've seen lots of guys say that that's been very, very useful for them. Um, I think there, what's the, the other guy? BJJ over 40. I can't think of his name. I think he, he might be from the same camp. I don't know, Stefan. I want to say Stefan something or other. But anyway, he um, talks a lot about the importance of flexibility and stuff. So, you know, there are lots of other kind of people that agree with that, that thought process. And, you know, I'm uh, coming at it with that kind of thought because I've experienced that directly myself. As I say, you know, my my body has changed over the years. My jiu-jitsu has changed over the years. And I hope to continue in jiu-jitsu for a lot more years to come. So it will probably change more and more and more as those as those years go on, you know. I think if I keep gaining weight at the, the kind of rate that I have been, then, uh, you know, my jiu-jitsu game could change quite drastically. Um, so much so, I might actually end up just doing sumo instead. Uh, <laughs> I don't mind. Might not be a bad thing for me. It means I can really go to town with the tie and everything. I'm sure that, um, you know, that... Uh, could be vastly accelerated with the you know potential of tin bits every day and sugary kind of coffee or sweet coffee. But anyway, I'm digressing quite a, quite a bit there. <laughs> and so yeah, those are really my main sort of thoughts around uh, development of jiu-jitsu game and longevity. Um, avoiding injury is something that does get more difficult as we get older, and I think that there also has to be a certain. Um, aspect of acceptance that as you, you know, as being an older martial artist you will pick up these niggles and strains and things and I think accepting that being the first step but also then allowing that to actually heal and being realistic with your expectations of when you could return to your regular kind of training plan is really important too you know uh, at the age of 21 I might pull the muscle in my arm elbow shoulder whatever and then know that two or three days later, I'll be right as rain. Um, I can think of lots of occasions where, you know, I would have come away from the gym one evening, sore and knowing that something was, was up and then still training the following day because ultimately I'd know that, well, I'll be all right. It might be a little bit sore, but I know it will be okay. Whereas now there has to be that hesitancy a little bit and kind of that awareness that, you know what, my body might need a little bit longer with this. So really listening in to what your body is telling you is really, really important. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll tend to uh, want to get back to training quicker, especially on your first, you know, kind of few occasions of, of pulling things or twinging things. You'll think, no, no, I'm fine. You know, I'm still 21 in my head. So therefore, you know, that's, that's how it's going to be. As long as I keep that positive mindset, as long as I keep training through, I'll be absolutely fine. And I think for the most part, that's quite foolhardy. You know, you are not going to miss out on a huge amount of development if you give yourself that kind of you know, extra day or that, you know, extra session just to make sure that you are really you know, kind of fully rested. Um, what, uh, one of the guys who has been training with us over at LSBJJ has had a bit of an issue with um, his uh, rib around the, um, I can never say the word properly, intercostal muscles. So when he you know, really fully exerts himself, he gets that minor kind of pull on things and uh, just through you know, literal kind of uh, extension of his ribcage and heavy breathing can sometimes, you know, bring, bring it on again. And so, you know, it's been a little bit frustrating for him because although he's not been straining himself that much, he's still found that this injury has been kind of around and, and, and sticking with him. So he has to, you know, limit how long he can do certain drills for and certain movements and things and been off sparring you know for the last sort of three four weeks as well but you know part of my sort of role I think and part of the role of Sean as well as a coach is to make sure that we're uh, kind of educating people that it's okay for for that to be the case you know that there's no point in rushing things if you uh, you know just doing this as a as a as sport as a you know, a bit of fun as a little bit of um, kind of physical fitness and things like that there is no end there isn't a point where we've got to get you to and then that's it, you're done. So therefore, the quicker, the better. The idea for martial arts with me is that it's a lifelong thing. It's a lifelong journey. And so once you're on that road, you're on it. You know, there isn't a, a, like a, a stop that, you know, you then uh, have to change or you have to have learned a certain amount. So, 
you might as well benefit yourself by taking that time to really make sure that your body is healed and ready before you go back into things properly um, because otherwise you're just going to keep putting yourself off and potentially you're going to cause long-term damage which is only going to be not just detrimental to your martial arts journey but your overall life as well you know but never want to you know hear of people when they say oh well, i kept training through a knee injury and now i've had to have a you know kind of knee replacement and i you know i can't really walk up the stairs or i can't play with my kids or my grandkids i can't kick the ball around anymore with them and i used to love doing that you know it's, it's that's that's not really uh really going to be uh fun for anybody if we were athletes if we were doing this as a you know, you've got a contract with the UFC, you're going to you know, have this amount of fights and you're going to have this amount of prize purse at the end of it if you win, then, you know, there's arguments say you should push through things, you can, you know, take your body to the next level, you can do kind of weight cuts, things like that, but otherwise for your recreational BJJ player, for your average person that trains, who has a regular job, who, you know, competes every now and again, if at all, who has all these other family things going on then you know training through uh, injuries or trying to push yourself excessively is just not going to be of benefit and uh, not going to be worth it in my opinion actually touched on something uh, there which uh, I don't think I've addressed in previous um, casts but I'll I'll, I'll take a, a bit of time to mention it now it might be a little bit again uh, kind of controversial for some people in terms of their opinion on things but um, I'm going to go with it anyway because I'm generally uh, a little bit controversial anyway um, not, not just even in BJJ but also in my work and everything <laughs> tends to be a stand out a little bit but um, on the subject of weight cuts um, I've been having a chat with a, a friend of mine uh, a good friend who I actually haven't seen for a couple of years now because he's moved away damn it um, but uh, that's uh, Mr Lee Martin who is a a uh, very well qualified dietitian he has a masters in nutrition and has been um really supportive of me over the years in terms of dietary plans and um you know preparation for competitions and things like that so we're going to have him on as soon as we can uh, sort out a date where we're going to talk a, a lot more about um you know kind of nutrition for combat sports how to you know better fuel or how to best fuel your body when you're you know doing lots of uh, intensive sessions and I also want to pick his brains around things like uh, whether you know uh, keto and fasting diets are as, as kind of healthy and as effective as perhaps they, they could be and I uh, also want to touch on the subject of uh, weight cuts and things. Um, I've done a couple of uh, weight cuts for competitions. In my earlier days of competing I was quite lucky in the sense that I would often sit in the weight category anyway. Um, but again, as I, as I started to get a bit older, I got a little bit fatter, a little bit lazier with the, you know, with the um, running and uh, other other sort of exercises and things, and perhaps too many beers on the weekends just started to to have their toll. So I started to gain a little bit more weight as time went on, and I would have to, you know, cut a kilo or two or three. Or I think when Lee came to a competition with me last. I think I had to do three and a half kilos um, on the day because I had not taken any notice of I mean that wasn't even a like nutritional cut that was just water I think that was that was that was hard that was hard work I had a you know bin bag on jumper then another bin bag running up and down the stairs um, which also <laughs> takes me back to a time uh, at the Europeans with the guys from uh, Gracie Baja when uh, I had a fantastic chat with, I've kind of lost contact with over the years, Etibar. Um, if you're out there, Etibar and Beck, if you're out there, either of you two gentlemen listening in, I know Beck, you're still on Facebook with me and things, but if you're still in touch with Etibar, please say hello to him because uh, I you know, miss him and yourself uh, immensely. But um, Etibar having to cut something like four kilos on the day of you know, a European fight and uh, he did it. I don't, I don't know how he did it, but I don't think he even had the day. I think he had like two hours until he was on the mat. And uh, the rest of us headed over to the venue and just left Etibar on these really high set of stairs with a coat and like you know, a really thick jump, uh, jumper and joggers on in the like height of summer in Portugal. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we, you know, I've, I've seen and experienced quite a lot of extreme kind of cuts and things. And... Um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, kind of think that 
any sort of cut is well I'm going to just go all out and say it I think it's wrong um, I think that it's um, I, I don't know I think there's that culture of kind of doing it because you want to be in the lighter division but why would you want to put yourself through that if you're only doing a recreational version of the of the sport I mean you know I, I don't think that there's kind of the benefit that people anticipate with it um you know I, yeah you wouldn't want to be fighting monsters but you know at the same time if you're in that weight category you're in that weight category um I can I can literally feel people burning into this podcast now to, to tell me I'm wrong and maybe I am um but I, you know again I'm thinking mainly for the recreational players and specifically for the guys who are who are kind of training in my classes and things at the moment I would never want to say to them that you know you've got to cut a certain amount of weight in order to just do a competition um you know if people want to lose weight because they want to be healthier they want to be fitter they want to be stronger or they want to look better that's absolutely fine I can appreciate all of those reasons for wanting to do to do those things but not just because you want to be in a particular weight category for a competition um you know and seeing obviously with uh you know more athletic um kind of guys and you know big competitions and things you see guys cutting a huge amount of weight in the lead up and then putting that weight back on um, you know, for the for the actual day of, um, so it, you know, it seems a little bit strange for me to for that to be the case. Um, let's say for sports and things like that to actually have that going on, and I'm sure Lee would be able to give us a lot more insight into how that kind of works and the logic kind of behind that and the kind of reasoning behind that sort of you know need to or or how you would need to do that that type of cut. Um, but otherwise, you know, thinking about your regular kind of competitions when guys are really struggling in their, you know, kind of lead up and living off of salad and things just before, you know, for a week or two before going to a competition. Why would you put yourself through all of that discomfort and that pain and missing out on potentially, you know, like spending time with your family at a proper, you know, proper dinner, um, you know, not being able to, you know, interact as well with the people that are closest to you because you're irritable and cranky because you've not had the right amount of calories that you should be having all because you want to go to a competition to potentially win a you know three dollar medal at the end of it um you know it just, it just doesn't doesn't make sense to me um so yeah i think that kind of weight cutting is a, is a bad thing um again you know if you find that you're a you know, a kilo over before a competition, oh no, you know, you can kind of move that around a little bit more with, uh, you know, crafty toilet breaks and things, I'm sure, although even a kilo is a lot. Um, but otherwise, you know, I think that you should be aiming at a category whereby you are comfortable with it. And if you're unfortunate enough to be in that position where you are perhaps right on the cusp of a, of a category, I would argue that your best option is to go in as the lightest person, particularly for grappling. Um, you know, again, because that's my only real um, experience is through, like I said, jujitsu and things anyway. So although I have started judo, as some of you may see now, I've got my perfectly crisp little white belt on on a Wednesday evening. Um, so if anyone from Westcliff Judo Club is listening, thank you for, for tuning in, guys. Thank you for your, your help so far on my judo journey but um yeah i let's say could because my experience is all grappling based i um i forgot my point now where were we i'm gonna have to listen to this back aren't i well i can't because it's recording i'm gonna have to get my my uh my thoughts back on track bear with me a moment while i have a sip of coffee and i will try and revert back to where i was <coughs> what's i gonna have a little cough <coughs> apologies oh there we are right don't worry, I'm back, I've got it. So, I, um, yeah, because my experience is only through grappling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I would argue that if you are that person who is right on the cusp between two categories, I think for IBJJF purposes, the light to middle is like 70, no, it's 82, isn't it, middle? So anywhere from like 81 to 82 kilos. Would you want to be... The big guy in the in the you know in the smaller group, or would you want to be the small guy in the bigger group? Well, okay, fine. If you can, you know, kind of drop a a half kilo in order to do that, that's that's great. And you know, you might want to chance the odd competition whereby you do try and be that bigger guy in the 
the smaller category just to you know have that little bit of an advantage on the kind of weight distributions and things but in terms of your actual martial arts development in terms of your actual brazilian jiu-jitsu development i would argue that it's better for you to be the smaller guy you know you go to a competition and you know that you're going to be potentially the smallest guy in your category you're going to be really focused for one you're going to be really you know, in that zone, you're going to be really in that fight, you're going to be really, you know, kind of determined to keep that focus through as well, you're far less likely to, you know, be kind of wandering and things, you're going to be able to kind of eat and drink as you wish, you're not going to be worried about, oh, I can't have this, I can't have that, I can't rehydrate, and with, you know, a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitions, particularly smaller ones that a lot of the kind of normal public will be doing, there's a lot of scope for things to run late. You know, you might end up with a three, four, five hour delay to your, your particular category. And you then having to spend that time not worrying, oh, sorry, worrying about what you eat and drink and things. That's it's only going to make things worse. It's only going to make your performance worse. So, you know, having that freedom to think, well, it doesn't matter anyway. I can eat and drink as I want. And kind of obviously within reason, you don't want to do too much or have, you know, too many silly things going in before you compete. But otherwise, that's got to do a lot more to benefit your mindset, right? There's also the benefit that will come from just being the small guy. I mean, when we're sparring, when we're in classes, when we're training, when we're doing you know, our, our, our learning, it's rare that you'll have scenario where it'll just be the same, uh, same weight category. It's rare that it'll be, you know, just a particular group because you're, you know, you're one weight and you're, you're not. Even for, for ladies that may be listening in and ladies that will you know, go to compete, you may well be used to rolling with guys. You may well be, you know, be used to rolling with the biggest guy in the room um, just because, you know, that's the way that sparring turns out to be sometimes. So when it's a competition, of course, you, you know, you are going to have some differences in terms of someone going at you hundred and sometimes 110% given the competition, but it's not going to be too vastly out of your remit to potentially have a three or four kilo weight difference because you've, you will have had that in the past. You will have experienced that. So I don't think that, that doing a cost-benefit analysis on these things really gives a, an overall sort of positive um, scope, if you will, to, to doing cuts or you know, kind of really huge drops before doing a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu competition or a grappling competition. I just don't see the point. And overall, I don't really, for kind of other sports either, I guess, like I said, more generally, I, I don't know much about fight sports. So, you know, kind of <clears throat> kickboxing events or MMA events or whatever the case may be. <coughs> Excuse me, I've real got a tickle now. <coughs> real got a tickle. Mm, that's good English, Luke. Anyway, um, yeah, so I don't know much about the, like I say, overall fight sports. But again, I just, you know, I just kind of, think that people are a certain weight that's what you should fight at it's just me generally um you know again i i, I think that was different years ago because I, like I, say, I haven't done some cuts myself so i probably was of the mindset of you know no i do want to be that big guy in the in the lighter category you know i want to be at that top end of the weight bracket and you know again i, I can appreciate why but now i think my laziness is just taking over uh, you know, there's just that lazy side of me, that older man side of me that's just, you know, what's the point? What is the what is the actual point? Just do what you want to do. Um, that is something that really has become more prominent with me over the years now is that I just I just don't care in in the same ways that I used to. I mean, I I do I do care I do care about like all sorts of things. Of course I do, but you know, just things like that that I can now see as being rather trivial. Um, you know, then I'm just, I'm not really, I haven't got time for it. There are so many other more important things and uh, trivial little points and trivial little things like that. I just can't be bothered. I do find them entertaining and I do find, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of fun sometimes in, in triviality now, but just for the sake of a laugh more than anything, um, because it's just, yeah, it's not, it's not important to me anymore. That said, if I did ever get opportunity to, uh, you know, do a big event myself, a Polaris or any of those types of things, um, you know, not that I'm expecting that. Don't worry, that's not the point of this uh, podcast is to, you know, try and get a shout out to anyone and say, hey, put me on. Um, no one wants to feel, feel, 
fat pods like me rolling around on the mats at uh, <laughs> Newport, I tell you. Um, but you know, if I ever did, I would probably the fir- be the first person to go on a massive diet because I'd you know I'd want to be that light guy. Um, you know, I'm five foot six, so being one hundred eighty four pounds now, it's probably still quite heavy. Um, so you know, I probably would for a big event like that. Um, you know, big competition or something like that, then fine. But for your general sort of, you know, guys off the, guys and girls off the street that come in and want to train and then just test themselves in competition, I don't, I don't see a benefit to it. But anyway, that's that's my thoughts on that. Slight um, addition to things and slight change on the scope of things. But um, I hope that was a an interesting take. And like I say, I'm I'm fully aware that I could well be wrong. I'm. Uh, old enough and ugly enough and happy enough to accept that I don't know everything. So if you do have any glaring thoughts and think, you know what, Luke, you're wrong, you're, you're an idiot, you uh, haven't considered this, you haven't considered that, then by all means do tell me. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that I am an authority on any of these things. These are just my thoughts and my opinions. And um, if nothing else, they're just kind of thought-provoking for you as well as to get my side of a of a coin, if you will. So if you do have any thoughts about it, then do feel free to uh, get in touch. Let me know your your kind of thoughts. As I say, I do have an Instagram account that I run for the Cauliflower Chronicles podcast specifically. So do feel free to come on there, drop me a message. And uh, if you haven't already, please do you know pop over there, give us a like and a follow, and um, you'll be best kept updated with other you know kind of topics and things that I'll be doing. I also have, of course, my classes up and running now, which is uh, in collaboration with uh, the fantastic Mr. Sean Christie, who's been on this podcast with me before, and I'm due to do another one with him soon, whereby we'll probably do a, a you know a whiskey Wednesday or a, a, a what were we going to call it? I can't remember what we were going to call now, but a, a a beer Thursday. I can't remember what we came up with for a beer Thursday or a beer Friday. We were probably pissed when we were coming up with these ideas. So, but we'll do one with him as well soon. And um, of course, let's say we've got our, our classes up and running. So we also have a dedicated page for that on Facebook as well as Instagram. So if you search for LSBJJ on Facebook, you'll find the, the group there. And uh, with Instagram, it is uh, slightly different because, of course, there's another LSBJJ, which is, a, I believe, a chap over in Brazil, um, Leo something or other. Um, can't remember his name. Anyway, so the Instagram uh, name is underscore LSBJJ. Um, you'll probably see it if you do search LSBJJ. Or, of course, check out my, my own personal page, which is Jitsboy. And then you can find links to all of those things on there. While we're on that subject as well for LSBJJ, if you have been um, you know, enjoying the kind of classes, if you've uh, come along and done a seminar session with me perhaps, or Sean, um, you, know, you know us from just training days or you've met us at you know, other sort of, you know, instructionals and things like that, then please do take a moment to just pop over to that page give us a like, give us a follow. And also, if you feel comfortable and feel happy to, then any reviews that you can place on that page would be absolutely fantastic because we've got you know several up there at the moment that are really, really great. And I'm, I'm honoured and humbled by some of the words that have been said on there. But the more that we can kind of spread the word about these sessions and what we're doing, then of course, the, uh, the more popular they are going to be. We're going to be having three sessions a week soon. And that's kind of a, a fantastic uh, step for us. I, you know, I was always hopeful that we would get, you know, to the stage where we were having you know, multiple classes per week, and uh, yeah, to go from you know, kind of just starting out with one session and then go to two and then to three as as quickly as we have done. That's absolutely, uh, absolutely brilliant for me. And um, that will start to happen as of the seventh uh, of December. That we'll also have a, a third session running. So we've got a Monday evening over at the uh, Wofer Academy, which is at the Eversley Centre in Pitsy. And then we also have, uh, as of current at the moment, Thursday over at Waterside Farm Leisure Centre, which is in Canvey. And then we're also going to have a session on the Tuesday, uh, as I say, which will be on the, from the 7th of uh, December. Uh, and that will also be over at Waterside as well. All the sessions start at 6.30 and they run through till about 7.30, sometimes 8 o'clock, depending on if there's uh, sessions booked in afterwards and things like that, because we obviously share the space with other clubs and other societies and things. 
Uh, we are also going to have, just as a final kind of announcement in terms of LSBJJ, we are also going to have a, uh, a bit of an open map, a bit of a grading day, a bit of a, you know, welcome, a bit of a, just a kind of an advertising day, I suppose, if you like, for our Thursday session on the 2nd of December. We're just going to give out a couple of grades, um, it just, let's say, you know, quick sort of five, ten minutes at the start of that session, and then it's going to run as an open mat. So anyone that wants to come down, you are welcome to pop along and see us and train. The session is free, so just pop along. We'll do, like I say, about an hour or so, and um, it'll just be open mat for sparring and things like that. And if you've got any kind of questions, if you've got any you know technical things that you want to go through, then you know, I'm more than happy for you to pick my brains, or any of the you know guys that are there will be there to kind of assist and give their thoughts on things as well. So with that said, I think I've taken up enough of your time, ladies and gentlemen. I believe that I've run this through um, fairly well in terms of doing a, a straight-through conversation. It's kind of what I wanted to do um, with things, uh, just to try and make it a little bit more real for conversation's sake as well, because, uh, again, I'm just trying different things in terms of the podcast and see how it is in terms of popularity rather than having lots of little segments that are quite obviously um, knitted together, just to have a kind of an open session and um, just revel out some thoughts, really. Um, so, yeah, I hope it's been interesting. I hope it's been enjoyable for you. And uh, like I say, if you do like what you're hearing, then please do feel free to uh, give us a, a like and a follow. And uh, any further topic suggestions are always welcome too. I'm hopeful that the next session will be our, uh, our dialogue with Lee, but of course I just need to sort out some um, dates and things for that. I got several more really, really interesting topics um, uh, from the, let's say, recent uh, kind of poll on Instagram as well, so I may well get uh, one or two of those out before, but otherwise that's kind of where we where we are and what we're hoping to uh, to get out in the in the shorter term. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. I hope you have a fantastic afternoon, evening, or indeed morning, depending on when you're listening, and I'll hope to speak to you soon. And that's all from us at the Cauliflower Chronicles podcast.